To venerate is to hold in great respect. This great nation of ours is filled with great people that have a story to tell. The Veneration Nation is a storytelling podcast. Storytelling from the distinguished and sometimes controversial members of our community. We will document the stories behind these great people. Join us, listen, and learn. Are you someone we need to talk to? Or do you have a suggestion of someone we should be talking to? Email us your suggestions to the Veneration Nation at Outlook.com. Now, the Veneration Nation podcast, based out of the great Pacific Northwest in Ording, Washington. Well, welcome this evening, everyone. Uh, I'm glad you could join us on the line tonight. We have a fly fishing guide from Medford, Oregon, Mr. John Hazlett. Howdy. How you doing tonight, John? I'm good. I'm good. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to dig into this here. And, uh, you know, I can, I can remember my dad, you know, we did some lake fishing and whatnot and, and so mm-hmm. whatnot, but, but, but never to the extent of the fishing that you have done. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so share, share a little bit, uh, with our listeners here, uh, where you grew up. Well, I grew up in the Dalles, Oregon, which is, uh, you know, most people have heard of Hood River. You say, oh, yeah, it's by Hood River. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lesser known, the Dalles, Oregon, is uh, 20 miles east of Hood River, which is, you know, 90 miles east of Portland, right on the Columbia River. And we moved there in 76. Uh, post uh, my dad's... Um, he went to theological seminary in Arcadia, California. So I was born in Arcadia. We moved to the Dalles when I was three. And, um, yeah, so that's where I was raised, went to, you know, high school and everything. And, and, uh, so, and then of course, after high school, I, I left and went to, went to college, colleges, I should say. And, and then, uh, quite a bit has happened since then. Well, where did, when, when did you when did you start? When when was you, when was the first time you picked up a fishing pole? Well, I honestly don't remember the first time, <laughs> but um, you know, my mom grew up on a on a farm in Vancouver, Washington. That you know, she grew up. Uh, you know, she's got nine or eight siblings. There's nine of them, and they had a farm and whatever, and and they had ponds there. And I vaguely remember the, the, the ponds there, but they had a property up in the mountains, uh, which would be just in that Camas, Washington area, and where they had built an A-frame back in the '60s or '70s. A really cool A-frame, but okay. uh, her brothers and dad built all these trout ponds and stocked them. And so they eventually moved up there, built a house up there and moved up there. And so I remember fishing there as a kid, we'd go down and we'd feed the fish and these trout were giant. I mean, I mean, and they were kind of the pets, but my brother and I, they let us fish the catfish ponds. So, uh, we, we would fish those and, um, um, and I don't know if that's the first time I fished, could be 
but um, uh, yeah. So, and then we would catch uh, gambuzi, which are a mosquito-eating little minnow-sized fish. And we'd catch gambuzi. Grandma would make a net. We made a net out of her nylon. We'd catch gambuzi, put them in a bucket, and run them down to the trout pond so that, you know, so the mosquito-eating fish would be in there. But really what happened was we were just feeding the trout. Sure. <laughs> they okay. would eat those things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've never heard of those little fish before. I hadn't either, and, and uh, that might not even be the name. That's just the name I remember. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but then growing up in the Dalles, uh, my next-door neighbors were the Griswolds, and that was their actual name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, next, I grew up next to the Griswold family, and, and the Griswolds hunted and fished for everything. Okay. And they had, they had two boys, and uh, the youngest, Keith, uh, was closest to my age. And um, so we fished a lot. Um, and uh, he could drive sooner than me, and we'd go fish the Columbia River and the sloughs and, and um, lakes and different things and creek, creeks around the Dalles. Uh, and that was not fly fishing. Um, but somewhere in there when I was uh, 11 or 12, um, I was introduced to fly fishing by, a um, old timer and, um, he got me casting and showed me how to tie knots and sure. introduced me to, to introduce me to, to fly tying. And, uh, okay. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it began. And, you know, and then I, I didn't fly fish much, uh, you know, junior high high school because sure. i was just in sports and you know and then i really got back to, got back into it in college so, so 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 when you were fishing the ponds and the streams and the columbia river and whatnot what were you catching at that time anything um you know we would <laughs> soak a worm we would huck a worm out there and bottom fish and you know we catch catfish we catch probably i don't know squawfish which are uh um, pike minnows, what they're called now, actually, but uh, um, but then we'd bass fish a bit. We would we bass fish with bobbers and worms, and we bass fish with jigs and um, and the crop and, and the bluegill and yeah, there was there was that too. There was kind of all the warm water species and the Columbia and those sloughs and stuff. And but then there were a lot of lakes. Uh, um, there are a few lakes that 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 stocked with rainbows that we would fish and then uh, Mill Creek ran right through the Dalles. I'd go there with a Panther Martin and spin a rod and catch a bunch of trout and um, so there, there was you know, the Dalles is real close to the Deschutes River which is a famous steelhead river but I never fished the Deschutes growing up and when I tell people I'm from the Dalles their first thing is oh so you fished the Deschutes and I'm like no nah, I never did actually. Never did. Never did. Now, were these were these fish you would you would bring home and, and mom would would fry them up, or was it even at back then was it just catch and release? We brought a few fish home. Um, yeah, we brought a few home, but a lot of the bats and things, you know, stuff we caught in the sure. sloughs in Columbia, we just we just let them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so so at, at this at this point in time, you're still in the Dalles. Um, where'd you go from the Dalles at this point? 
Well, I went to Oregon State, um, and uh, which is in Corvallis. You were a beaver. I was a beaver, and um, um, and I yeah, I was a beaver, and and so uh, I made I made friends with a guy from Banks, Oregon, a guy named Chris Lida, and Chris Lida fly fished, and. And he, so that's when I really got back into fly fishing and, and it was almost like start from scratch. So we'd fish around, you know, some of those coastal rivers like the LC and, and, uh, we'd, we'd hook around, uh, in those uh, Tillamook area. And, um, so we fished a bit, um, but he was working at a fly shop in Corvallis, which was the Scarlet Ibis and the Scarlet, Scarlet Ibis was kind of a pipeline for guides to go guide in Alaska and he had been guiding it, started guiding in Alaska. And, um, so that's really how I got my first guide job was really because of him. It was really because of him. And, um, so so that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. So college is over and you go in and you start guiding up in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, yep. And so I, I, uh, started working up there and as a, as a rookie guide, um, you know, they, you know, it was a big lodge and there's a lot to do. And so as a rookie guide, you're kind of also a hired hand. You get a lot to do a lot of things you really don't want to do, but, um, so they need bodies. So anyway, uh, I worked there for a couple months. I actually got fired. And, <laughs> um, so, and that's a whole other story. I don't know if I even <laughs> want to get into it, but, um, if I write a book someday, it'll, I'll tell the whole story, but I got fired and I was, I was devastated. And I thought, well, this is the end of that. That's the end of this. And, um, I had to go home <laughs> Back in with mom and dad. Back to the Dallas. And back to the Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> just, just ruined. And um, my same buddy, Chris, he'd had enough of guiding at this lodge. And he took a job in Colorado. Okay. And I'd worked in the restaurant, you know, going through college and I, I bartended a bunch and, and, uh, so he got me a job out there working in the lodge as like a bartender server type. This is, and this with, is in Colorado. This is in Colorado, okay. lodge called Elk, Elk Creek in Northwest Colorado. And, um, when I got out there, I kind of went there under the premise that I could work in the guiding and, all the guides out there were just senior veteran, you know, guides that were on pro staffs and guided, you know, other venues in the winter, like in Florida. And, uh, guys, guys, this was kind of a, a high end lodge. Um, it was a famous fly fisherman called, his name is Brian O'Keefe and, and, uh, ran into him one day and told him I was working out there. And he says, wow. He's like, that's like guide retirement. And, um, so that was really where I, I cut my teeth, 
um, you know, guiding, uh, working with, with, with the, this guide staff, phenomenal guide staff. And so I, I ended up out there for three seasons, um, kind of June through November. We did a month of elk hunting as well. So uh, kind of a June through November thing for, for three years. So this was only, this was only, this was only seasonal then. Yes. So I ended up, um, uh, I ended up in Southern Oregon. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was from Southern Oregon. And, and so we started to winter down here. And that's how I ended up down here. Okay. So you yep. were going back and forth from, from the Medford area then, or Southern Oregon, to Colorado. Yep. Uh, yep. Okay. Exactly. You did that for exactly. three years. Did that for three years. and any, any, any crazy stories you have from being there at the Elk Creek Lodge? Um, I mean, I have something I could probably confess which is kind of a funny story. Um, um, and, uh, the, so my girlfriend and I were like the lodge owner really liked us, really liked her, I think mostly. Um, so we ended up staying at a cabin that was right by the owner's house. And the, the owner, house um the river one of the you know we got it it was all private water okay okay and, and so it was like country club fly fishing i mean it was we stocked the river the clients didn't know but we actually stocked the river with fish and what river was this the white river okay and the northwest colorado um which would be like south of steamboat um, as a point of reference. Okay. But, um, so we kind of, because he liked, liked us and we ended up in this cabin, um, by the second or third year, I can't remember, maybe the third year, but it, there were two pools in front of his house that we were not allowed to fish because those were kind of his pet fish and he would feed them and they'd get really big. And so a buddy, a buddy and I, before the lodge owner showed up, uh, we showed up there early. Uh, one of my guide buddies and I fished in front of his house and, and, uh, we caught a fish, you know, every once in a while you catch a fish that swallows a fly, you know, whether it's fly, lure, whatever, but they swallow them real deep. Um, it's hard to get the hook out. If they bleed, they're if it's anywhere near the gills or in the tongue, the fish sure. can bleed out and it's dead, right? Sure. So this fish was bleeding out, couldn't revive it. I'm like, well, we might as well just eat this thing, right? So <laughs> we gutted it and we're walking back up to the cabin and um, <laughs> we're like, this fish is kind of gross. Like these fishy pellets, you know, they, they eat like, it's like, they, it's like you feed them dog food basically. Right, right. And, um, by the way, like the same stuff that farm raised salmon and things eat. Yeah. Which yeah. is disgusting, disgusting, by the way. Don't, don't, don't 
five farm right now. <laughs> and FYI. So anyway, uh, we're like, we don't want to eat this gross thing. I don't remember who did it, if it was him or me, but we hucked it out into this alfalfa field, right? Didn't think anything of it. So, I don't know, it was the next day, the owner's wife showed up to come in for the season, and she she was from Meeker, and her, her uh, she and her mother drive up to the cabin, and she's sobbing. And um, she says, and we're, we're, we're hanging out in the garage or something, and she says, do you know anything about this fish in my driveway? And we're like, uh, no. <laughs> fish, in we didn't know anything. fish in the driveway? There's a dead fish in the driveway. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, we didn't know anything about the dead fish in the driveway, <laughs> the first day, because we chucked it in the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> they're, you know, they were real paranoid about other people and whatever and and uh you know other i i don't know they thought somebody was poaching or you know they're like well have you seen anyone down here fishing and, or somebody did this and send a message to us or what you know it, right right so it, she was very upset so 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 <laughs> so when you saw the fish in the driveway was it very obvious that it was the one you guys threw in the field i never saw the fish okay but she okay. said it was definitely i'm like i don't know maybe a an otter <laughs> so we're just like right. uh was probably her dog but yeah. anyway we we played dumb and and uh and then the lodge owner showed up her husband showed up and it was like all of a sudden there was like a fbi criminal investigation <laughs> going on and everybody got everybody got questioned and it was like a and uh so probably should have got fired for that but i didn't yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so, okay. so um, that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in Colorado yeah, okay. was uh, the, the the dead fish in the driveway that um, I don't know how it got there. Yeah, I just really don't, don't know. know. No. <laughs> so you spent. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Oh no, but but anyway, that it was a great experience. It was a really cool place to work. Sure. And, and uh, um. So, it, so, it, it, uh, yeah, so it, was, it was, yeah. So after three seasons in Colorado, you end back up in Southern Oregon then? Yeah. So we did. And, and, um, um, the third off season under the, maybe not advice, but a suggestion of a, uh, a friend of mine who has a really successful fly fishing travel agency called, uh, fly water travel. He said, you know, you ought to go check out gold beach. And I said, huh? Uh, he said, yeah, there's a bunch of rivers over there and you know, just go check it out. And so we actually moved there, um, for the kind of the third off season post, Colorado and uh, gold beach is at the mouth of the rogue river. And okay. so, um, that's where things really got interesting for me. 
Okay, does um, the does the rogue not you know not being real familiar with Southern Oregon does the Rogue River dump directly into the ocean? It does. It okay. does. Yep. Yep. It does. So okay. it dumps in right at Gold Beach. Gold Beach is mm, from the border, forty miles from the border of California, something okay. like that. North and of, north um, of Brookings, then I know where Brookings yep. is. Yep, it's twenty five miles from Brookings. Okay, and um, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, I lived in Gold Beach for a year, so I got to see all the seasons of, you know, summer steelhead, winter steelhead, salmon, you know, all that stuff, and and uh, that was that was where. I, I just really fell in love with the Willow Rogue and, and that whole scene. Okay. okay. Um, so there is, there is, well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm looking, I'm actually on your webpage at the moment. Yep. And it, yep. It, explain what you would, the term spay. Yeah. So that's when I first started to do it. And it's the same guy, uh, his name is Ken Morris. She was one of the two founders of uh, Flywater Travel. Okay. He said, he told me, we, we had, I had met his business partner, Brian Geese. In fact, Brian Geese actually came out to Colorado where I was guiding to check out that lodge as a destination for their business. Okay. And he said, well, you need to, you need, you need to talk to Kenny if you want to be a steelhead guide. And said, okay. So I talked to Kenny and Kenny, but if you want to be a steelhead guide, you should learn how to spay cast. So spay and, refers to a, a, a type or, or a, a way to cast a fly rod? It does. So spay is a, it's a river in Scotland okay. where this technique was invented, so to speak, uh, about, you know, just less, you know, 200 years ago. And uh, so it's, it's, a technique that's been used to fish for Atlantic salmon, uh, all over Europe. And, um, it's different than traditional fly casting in that you do not cast the fly, the, the, the line over your head. You don't aerialize the line behind you. You use the water, uh, it's a waterborne cast. So, um, it's really interesting, and you cast with two hands instead of one hand on the rod. So you've got a bottom handle below the reel that you hold on to. So you use it, you use two hands, um, kind of like a lever. Okay. And um, so, um, uh, so yeah, Kenny said, if you want to be a steelhead guide, you should have a spade cast. I said, okay, well, what what do I need to do? And he said, well, buy these two videos buy these rods, these reels, these lines, and go figure it out. And um, <laughs> that's basically what I did. Um, and so I started to do that over uh, on the lower rogue. And um, what's the, what's the time frame here? This is 20 years ago. Okay. Um, so like 2000, somewhere around 2000. 2001 and two okay. is kind of that, that that's when I was in gold beach. And, okay. um, so, um, 
I, you know, I went down to the river every day I could and it was, it was, uh, I was pretty bad for a while. Uh, I had no one to, other than watching videos, I had no one to really help me. I had a lesson over the phone. Um, and, um, I just started doing it, but that also happened to be the best salmon and steelhead runs that I've ever seen, um, was that year. Okay. And so, uh, what I lacked in, um, talent, uh, was made up for by the sheer number of fish. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so that worked out pretty slick. Um, and so that's just kind of how that began. And, and, uh, um, and it's, it's, it's become, yeah, yeah. It's become, my career basically. It's, yeah. It's become a full-time job here for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so currently you are guiding on the rogue river, correct? Mostly. Yeah. Mostly the rogue. Um, I do guide the Southern Oregon coastal rivers and there's a, a handful of them. Okay. Um, you know, including the, the, the Chetco, which is, uh, comes in there at Brookings and then, you know, a couple other smaller rivers in that area. So I'll do that in the winter. Um, I'll poke around on the Umpqua systems in the winter. Um, uh, I did guide up in Washington, uh, for three years on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, and, but yeah, the Rogue is my home waters. And uh, I'm on it, you know, and about what, every month, about every month of the year. Yeah. So what? What? Are, so so what then is is being caught there on the rogue? Can you kind of give us an idea of what's what's there for anyone listening who might be interested? I mostly guide steelhead, summer steelhead, winter steelhead, which is happening now. Um, I do do a little trout fishing. Uh, you know, late May, early June. It's a real kind of short window of time. Uh, we get a, there's a, there's a bug called a salmon fly, which is in the stone fly family, but it's the biggest, it has nothing to do with salmon other than, the, other than the timing of it and the color of it. But salmon don't eat the salmon fly. Um, but it's a bug that's about two, two and a half inches long that hatches out of the river that fish eat and they eat them and they eat a lot of them and they put on a lot of mass in about three weeks from eating these bugs. Oh, wow. So you float down the river and you cast dry flies and they come up and eat them and it's pretty cool. And, so that's, and, that's, and what kind of size of fish are we talking about here? Weight-wise, I guess. Well, most of the fish you catch during the salmon fly hatch, they're all trout. Um, you, you catch a lot of small fish, but occasionally you get, uh, you know, a 16-plus inch fish up to, say, 20 inches. Oh, wow. Um, that's a, but, that's uh, a big trout. That's a good trout. Yeah, that's a good trout. Uh, and then occasionally you hook a steelhead on a dry fly during that time period, and, and uh, that can be pretty exciting, but. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I guide steelhead all spay and, um, um, that's just, you know, spay fishing, fishing with a spay rod is 
uh, what's become very popular. I mean, you know, the best advice I ever got was when Kenny Morris said, hey, you should figure this out. And he said, because he said it's going to be popular. And he was right. And it's become very popular. Uh, but it's also the hardest way to catch a fish. It's kind of like bow hunting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like I guided today. We didn't catch a fish. I guided yesterday. We hooked one briefly. Uh, got it the day before. Did not hook any. Uh, it's tough. It's, it, um, but but that, that makes that fish more of a reward sure you know, when you actually get one. So... So, so, so you are, you, you are not only are you, are you, are you doing a guide service, but you're also t teaching on how to, uh, um, master if there's such a thing, this type of casting, is that correct? Yeah. You know, every guide day is very instructional. You know, today I had a guy who just started and, and, um, you know, we were kind of going from square one. He had a little bit of a foundation. Um, but I do do specific, you know, one-on-one -on -one instruction or I'll do, you know, group classes that are just, you know, purely instructional. Um, and you know, the, the, the casting part of it is, is what makes it so interesting because it's, um, it's, it's, you can kind of compare it to golf in a way, you know, sure. hitting the drivers, hitting the drivers a lot different from hitting the pitching wedge. Um, or chipping or putting or, you know, so um, with spay casting, there's not just one cast you do. There's five, six, seven, 12 different casts that are all just a little different. Um, they all have the same principles, but, um, you know, so uh, I would say, you know, there's very few that have, have mastered it. Um, you know, I don't know if there is a top of the mountain because we're always trying to get better. Uh, but, but, um, that's, what's fun about it. Uh, you, you, you get really engaged in, into the casting part while you're fishing. Sure. And, um, you know, the guys that I fish with, um, they're into it. They, they want to get better. And so we're always, uh, trying to make them better. And, uh, that's, that's, that's what's fun about it. Sure, absolutely. Now you're presently you're presently based out of Medford, Oregon, correct? Yep. yep. Um, if anyone listening uh, would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Well, um, my website is called spaylesson.com, which is spay is called uh, spelled S P E Y, so spaylesson.com. Um, they can email me John at spaylesson.com, which is J O N at spaylesson.com. Okay. Um, uh, and, and they can, yeah, but th that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Okay. Through the website or, or, or email. Okay. Perfect. Um, do you have a, yep. do you have a, do you have a phone number you want to share or anything? Sure. Yeah. It's uh five, four, one, nine, four, one, zero, one, eight, six. Perfect. Yep. And there's yep. so there's opportunities uh, for the guide service and the lessons basically uh, all year long. Is that correct? Pretty much. I, I mean, we um, there's not many, um, not much of an off season, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And um, um, 
if you get on spaylesson.com, it kind of spells out the seasons and you can get a feel for, uh, you know, what the timing and, and, and the rivers and such. Sure. Absolutely. Well, John, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Um, I really do appreciate you, you spending the time here. You got it, buddy. No and, problem. Any, Happy any, to do it. Yeah. Any, any last comments you'd like to share? <laughs> I don't know. I think I've already disclosed too much. Okay. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, that's terrific, John. Again, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. You got it. Thank, thank you, you, John. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. Again, to remind you, if you have someone you think might be a popular guest for us, uh, please send out a quick email to the Veneration Nation at Outlook.com. And uh, please tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you very much. <laughs>